What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. It's time to get sexy. So watch Secular Sexuality Live Thursdays at 7 p.m. Central. Visit tiny.cc YTSS and call into the show at 512-991-9242 or connect to the show online at tiny.cc slash callsex. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of The Nonprofits. This is the show where we discuss news and topics of the day from a skeptical humanist perspective. My name is Laura McGee, and I am here with two of my closest fellow content creators, Nate Smith and Teo Alteo. I am so excited to be with the two of you today. Super excited. I want you guys to take a moment really quickly to introduce yourselves, although I think both of you have been on nonprofits often enough that we're pretty familiar with who you are. If, if you're not familiar with my appearances on nonprofits, you just haven't paying close enough attention. Well, there I'm could the be host. a newbie. There could be. There could be. And we do need new subscribers. We're almost at 10,000. So that's fair. Fair to say. I am uh, Nate Smith, host of Secular Sexuality on Thursday nights at 7 p.m. Central Time. And Laura's maybe hopefully top three favorite nonprofits maybe top five top five definitely mm. top 10 no oh, you're you're oh, like, you're like, one, you're like one of my top two. Oh, damn <laughs> no i i love being on with both of you you guys are both definitely top five if not like the top two awesome that's cool yeah so, so mate, teo, hey, teo. yeah <laughs> hello it's your friendly neighbor teo el ateo su ateo favorito en español and yes i'm so happy to be here guys as usual and yeah you are both of my favorites too that's no surprise that's not secret everybody knows about that and i'm just well you know one year doing this i'm very happy i finally talked to my first apologist and it was a nightmare as expected so i'm very happy to be here talking about interesting things today well we are happy to get that off your mind tonight because we have a lot of different stuff to talk about and it's going to be very fun just a reminder before we get started this show is a product of the atheist community of austin which is a 501c3 nonprofit organization dedicated to the separation of religion and government and promoting positive atheism today oh my gosh we're going to be talking about some great topics we have stuff that north carolina lieutenant governor mark robinson's been saying 
uh, and there's a lot of it. We have the ethical ramifications of neuroscientific research on monkeys. And we also have the latest on the Catholic Church's attempts to avoid responsibility for the thousands of deaths in the Canadian residential schools. And if those don't keep us busy enough, we do have an additional article about a U.S. man who is suing his psychic for not being psychic enough. I hope we get there. I I really I hope we do, too. But these first three articles are some pretty heavy hitters, so we'll have to move through them quickly in order to get to it. But we'll see. Um, as with all of our shows, links for all of the articles are um, in and in the news uh, that we discuss are available in the description below. So please feel free to pause this video at any time and read the material for yourself. But don't forget to come back and watch the rest of it. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and introduce segment one. And since I do so much of the topic or some, so much of the conversation during the introductions, I'm going to keep it relatively short. Um, I know that you two have a lot to say on this. So our first article is, or actually not article, but segment, as we have several articles, um, is about Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson. Um, he's made several public statements that have our hairs on the back of our heads kind of rising. Um, one is that he has offered to buy a plane, train, or automobile ticket for any person who doesn't like that the United States is a Christian nation. Lots to say about that. Um, but he has also made several other remarks, such as um, calling public schools uh, says they must take control of public schools because children are being abused by being taught filth. And now we'll get into what that filth involves, but but it's it's concepts such as transgenderism and homosexuality. So lots to say there. Um, yeah. Yeah. So just yeah. A, a little bit on Mark Robinson. He is the current lieutenant governor of North Carolina. So let's get into these um, articles a little bit, gentle. I, I don't know if we're going to be able to get to all of this guy's crackpot claims. The, the show is only uh, an hour and a half long, but this mm. one one that I found was that uh, in 2018, I think it was, he claimed that the character of Black Panther, you know, the the, the Marvel, you know, like one of like high, highest mm. grossing Marvel movies ever, uh, was created by an agnostic Jew and put to film by Satanist Marxists. Ooh. I don't know what a Satanist yeah. Marxist is, but I mean, oh, we should stop them all, but, right? But yeah, be careful because Satanist Marxist. If you go out to watch this movie, and, and then he goes on to use a um, a slur uh, to describe black people who enjoyed the film, and he's a black man. Like, talk about being a traitor to your cause. It just this guy is he's he's all kinds of crazy. Teo, do you know what an agnostic Satan, uh, agnostic Satanist Marxist is? Probably any of us who don't think like him, because uh, yeah. man, that, those are the typical accusations that you're going to hear whenever some somebody wants to attack you because you don't believe or you don't behave like they want. And yeah, he's attacking his own people, his own race with racial slurs. I mean, how low can can you fall? And this is the typical guy. Well, I mentioned it on the previous episode. Those guys who are the worst of the worst, they're trying to turn the USA into a Christian Sharia law country. It's, it's terrible. And uh, I'm going to use this from the from my notes because I I was reading about, about something that you do have, something called the First Amendment. And I'm sure you know about that, right? No, uh, where it tell says... me about the First Amendment. <laughs> oh, come on. Do I? <laughs> Before I have to tell you about it. <laughs> well, uh, the thing is that um, in the First Amendment, uh, the, the amendment, it's explained that this country is not a Christian nation. Um, so it's just, um, actually, it says that 
everyone in the United States has the right to practice his or her own religion or no religion at all. And this led me to something called the the lemon, oh, I have it in, in my notes, the lemon test, which uh, was created in 1971 by Lemon V. Kurtzman, which created th uh, these three tests to determine uh, whether the particular government is trying to act politically and unconstitutionally. Oh, sorry, is trying to enforce policies that are unconstitutional uh, by promoting religion. The first one is that any policy must have a non-religious purpose, not end up promoting or favoring any set of religious beliefs, and not overly involve the government with religion. And guys, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't this guy going against all of these three rules? Isn't he being like the most unconstitutional possibly guy that he can be? Or his behavior, at least. I mean, it, it's possible to be a secular bigot as well. But seeing Absolutely. as most of the rants that I saw were delivered from churches, I'm probably going to side with you on that one. What do you think, Laura? Yeah, no, absolutely. Like, um, I don't know. I'm looking over some of the stuff that he said, and a lot of it is about policy. It's about public schools. It's about what we should be doing in public spaces. So, yeah, absolutely. It's it's not just a politician saying, "Well, I believe in God, and that's my right." You know, this is a politician saying that I should be able to enforce Christian dogmatic ideology on the masses, specifically in mm. public school, which I find very concerning. Um, some of his stuff talks about, uh, and I'm trying to find it here in, in one of the articles, but um, he talks about um, that in public school, there needs to be Jesus and prayer and um, and such teachings. So I think that you really don't get more um, or le I, I should say it this way. You don't get less of a separation of church and state when you have politicians saying that our public schools should advocate for one God or another. And I don't care which God it is, Christian or otherwise. Yeah. Like if there's any advocation for one single God in public schools, that that breaks that separation. Well, yeah, that's the thing, right? Like the episode 973 of how the actual facts don't match this right wing weirdos assertions. Prayer's not illegal in schools. You're allowed to pray in school. <laughs> you can pray in school. They're just not going to set time around to pray to your God. Well, and you and can't enforce prayer in school. You can't tell exactly. a child that they have to pray. And that's kind of what he's advocating for is like teaching Jesus to all all the public school kids um, and further teaching things that go against like so um, sexual education, for example, like he'll take the the Christian spin on sex ed and say that that's all that we should be offering to, to kids in public schools and not offering them education on on safe sex practices or things about like different sexuality or different genders. It's it, it, it's like a running narrative, um, Christian yeah. narrative. Despite yeah, evidence so. from the CDC that, uh, you know, teaching abstinence only sex ed um, leads yes. to higher teen pregnancies and levels of STIs. You know, let's who needs facts when you're Mark Robinson. I, know, I mean, sex is biological. It's not something that we turn on and off. And if we can't acknowledge that and can't discuss it responsibly as adults, then we're going to keep having the same issues over and over again, no matter how many abstinence programs we push on people. Oh, yeah. No, those guys prefer to take uh, women's rights away and, you know, what, like what is going on in Texas rather than actually educate people, which is terrible. This guy, once again, this guy represents everything that is wrong with those people. Uh, and by those people, I mean people who don't want real education, who want to impose their religion in uh, uh, at schools, who, and yeah, this guy had to be the whole 
whole package. He is an anti-vaxxer and I'm going to say that for me, this guy is a monster. He dared to publicly say that any politician who tries to convince other Americans to take COVID-19 vaccines should be voted out of office. I mean, he goes that far into his hatred against knowledge, science, and these awful ideas of imposing his own beliefs. And sorry, guys, for me, it's everything, everything that is wrong with the USA right now. I'm not talking about your country, Laura. I'm, I sure, I'm sure you know more than me about that. But it's everything that I see that is destroying your country from the inside. No, he is the epitome of it. Yeah, no, I agree. And um, one thing that you you struck on is the whole voted thing. You said that he said any any politician that supports the vaccinations and all that should be voted out. This is what's so scary is that he himself was voted in. So he's he's representing a populace here. Like he he has the support of his constituents. So when With he 43 percent of the popular vote. Sorry, had to throw that in there. That's true. Yeah. So that's one thing that, that is that we <laughs> yeah, we can definitely talk about that in terms of voting is that sometimes when these people are voted in, they're only voted in because they got the majority of the votes, it, not because they got a significant amount of votes. So 43%. Yeah. Um, and I'm guessing that the rest of the votes were split among too many other people to get a different person into office. But His facts next, are facts. Uh, he was... Sorry, I, I I don't mean to interrupt you, Laura. The no, next no, closest person got um, 40% of the vote and uh, was was also um, a black person. I think it was a black woman, actually. Um, huh. and, and she was sort of the, the moderate. But, you know, th- that's the problem is these vocal crazies. Mm-hmm. They galvanize it. And I've said this before. The right galvanizes behind these hot topic word salad issues better than the left does. And, and that's why we yeah. got Mark Robb. And- and the the right I've we, noticed uses a lot more fear mongering tactics, and that oh, can yeah. really get people's get people's emotions up. And then you kind of feel like you have to vote for these people in order to keep your American values. And um, it, I really think that 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 really says something. The fact that that someone with so this kind of rhetoric, I would think, is insane. But the fact that he was voted into office and that he has supporters is very shocking. It's not well, it's not shocking to me. It's disappointing. Yeah, well, and yeah, of course, in, oh, I thought really you know, in the interests of the nonprofits and that we like to attempt to falsify our beliefs and we like mm-hmm. to actually believe things for good reason. I thought you know, I think this guy's wrong. I'm pretty sure I've seen a plethora of studies showing that sex ed and and specifically teaching LGBTQ issues mm. to kids is a good thing. So I, I looked up a couple of studies, and if I may, I would like to throw a couple of statistics out there at you. Absolutely. Let's hear them. Please do. So a study from the CDC found that 78% of youth reported using their phones to look up sexual health topics in the last year. So if it's child abuse, why are they actually going out and looking for this stuff themselves? They, they, they want to know, and they're going to get it. Um, as of 2014, fewer than half of high schools, less than 20% of middle schools included curriculum that the CDC considers to be essential to health education. Um, queer youth who have a single adult in their lives who are accepting are 40% less likely to commit c- to commit suicide. Queer kids are also twice as likely to report that they have no plans to pursue post-secondary education. 74% report being verbally harassed. 30% report being physically assaulted. And get this. This this is the one that really got me. 30% said that they've missed school in the last month because they just didn't want to go. They didn't feel safe. 10% missed more than four days. So what does that say about the love of Jesus? Those last statistics yeah. right there. You know, like this, this guy is calling our, our nation a Christian nation and he's espousing Christian values and stuff like that. But then he's also calling the LGBT community filth. And he's saying that any any teaching in the public school setting about LGBTQ issues is 
abusive to the children. So, I mean, my first question, obviously, is what exactly do you consider abusive? Um, But honestly, like, I I really think that it's shocking to me that you can, on the one hand, espouse the everlasting love of an eternal God, you know, that's just whole and complete. And then you can also at the same exact time tell an entire demographic of people who are just trying to live their lives and just trying to not get harassed and bullied and, and picked on that they're filth. I mean, that, that perpetuates the bullying, don't you think, when, when his constituents oh, yeah. hear this kind of crap? This this of isn't course. love thy neighbor. This <laughs> this is something completely This is ostracize different. thy neighbor. Yeah. yeah. And when, is, when you talk about suicide statistics, that's pretty yeah. impressive. Like that, and impressive in a very negative way. But you're, you're talking yeah. about like a higher rate of, of suicide with, within the LGBTQ community. And it's because of this sort of ostracizing and, and bastardizing exactly. and making them feel dirty and horrible that, that these, that these children even get to the point where, where suicide is an option. Religion teaches discrimination. Uh, I still remember some people who, when we were talking about uh, why gay people should have, a, should be able to marry, they were like, oh, they're trying to be like us. And it's like, what do you mean us? They are like us. They are human beings. They are people with rights. But People who have been taught to hate them don't even see them as equals. It's terrible. And yeah, it's it's sad that these type of politicians, they get so much support from people. Uh, you will have to explain to me what, what is that thing about numbers and percentages. I thought it, it was just like in everybody everywhere else that you vote the guy and the guy with the most amount of people voting for them, they get the, the position. It's, it's called anyways, first past the post voting. I have no idea what that is. And I will have to think about that i'm pretty sure i've heard about it but it, as it's politics it's not that interesting for me sorry people well sadly uh, in a two-party system like the united states i i'm not aware of any real alternatives uh, we have it here in canada and it's ridiculously dumb it, it makes no sense in a multi-party system but may, maybe laura has a, a better insight into that um, I don't know when you say past the post. I've never heard about that. First, so I don't first past the post. First past yeah. the post. Yeah, I don't know what that means. But um, but unfortunately, with our voting system, it's it's uh, and Nate, if I'm way off base with the whole past the post thing, then you'll have to come back around to it and explain it. But in terms of of how she gets into or how he gets into office. It's just a simple majority. It's whoever gets the most votes, right? So he can get, like you were saying, the next runner-up got 40%. If he got 40.5%, right, he would still be the next um, lieutenant governor. So it's 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 really a matter of- the first person to get enough votes that the other person can't win. Right, exactly. Yeah. No, so that's what you mean by first past the post. Yeah, I got you. Yeah. So even if if they got all the rest of the remaining votes, what he's saying is that the other person would still be voted in. Oh, now I get it. We do have that thing where- uh, if two are too close, they go both both of them go against each other. Oh well. Anyways, um, so my point was about uh, how they have so many people because they are talking the truth or talking what everybody else uh, don't dare to talk. And this sadly is talking about a huge number of homophobic, xenophobic, misogynistic people who want to be represented. Uh, I read this guy and it reminds me of Chuck Jones and Donald Trump and all their followers. I mean, people, why why do you feel that your hatred needs representation? Who hurt you so much that you want your hatred to be represented by those people? Well, I don't have my theories, you know, but it's I find this quite sad. Really, really sad that hate is the thing that um, makes you choose someone more than and anything I don't, else. Yeah, and I don't think that, that, I mean, to be fair and to play devil's advocate just a little bit or heavenly angel's advocate, um, <laughs> I don't think that they honestly think of it as hate. I think they think of it as 
um, people operating outside of what they would see as a right way to live or a holy way to live. Like if you would just give up your homosexuality or if you would just act the gender that you are, you would be in line with God's plan for you and your life would be better and yada, yada, yada. So I think the hatred comes from a lot of the rhetoric, but I think honestly, um, and I'm, I'm, I'm really trying to be generous here, but I think honestly in their, in their own way, they think that what they're doing is representing a loving position of, well, let's all get on the same page. Let's all follow God's law. Let's all be happy. Let's all get to heaven. What they don't understand is what repercussions their rhetoric has. Like, and I think that they do understand like logically, but in their mind, um, there's a lot of, well, that it's, it's not that I hate you. It's that that behavior is dirty. It's wrong. Like we would say stealing is wrong. We would say murder is wrong. They kind of lump a lot of social behaviors in yeah, like, with that that don't hurt anybody that don't have any actual moral ramifications um so i think you're right i uh, it's because I, now that i that you mentioned that i have seen a lot of people saying no these people are imposing their homosexuality onto us and they actually feel that recognizing that these people exist is something bad and against them it's yeah. i think that's the the root of it all that like they feel attacked when people start getting rights when people start being recognized as people and they can't just erase them and say, no, 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 they are evil or something like that. I'm inclined to be less charitable, um, being on the spectrum myself. Um, I think what you're talking about, Laura, definitely applies to a lot of moderate Christians. But I would say everyday what, Christians. Definitely yeah. not definitely not Robinson for sure, but I'm just like the everyday voter. Yeah, well, this, I mean, this guy's like, if you listen to his speeches, I listened to two and I couldn't listen to any more. Yeah, he's, he's literally calling out anyone who disagrees with him to fight him. He's yeah. like, come, come talk to me and I'll sort you out. Big, I'm a, I'm a big, strong and he's, man. What, what he's <laughs> saying that really gets to me. And I know we need to move on pretty soon to the next couple articles because we've yes. got some really good ones. But one of the things that he says to me or that what he was saying to me is, is that um, he, the, the call for people to leave the nation if they don't want to be in a Christian nation and to go live in a non-Christian nation, like that, that mentality just boggles my imagination. And that's where I don't have any sort of leniency or gratuity whatsoever towards that kind of rhetoric of how on earth do you live in a place that's supposed to be a melting pot? It's supposed to give freedoms to mm -hmm. everybody. It's supposed to be a place of like love and opportunity and, and e equality. And it's just that kind of rhetoric. It blows my mind. Yeah, he kind of forgot e pluribus unum. I think maybe and went with the uh, went with the other one. Yeah. All right. I just, so sorry. I just before we wrap up, I just want to point out um, a quick thing. Um, the Oakland, the co head coach of the Oakland Raiders, was forced to resign over racist, homophobic comments here. I think it was yesterday or the day before. It was revealed that he sent a bunch of rancid emails with all sorts of hate speech, and he has to resign. How is it that an elected official does this so and he's allowed to stay in office it is Ow. interesting that you say that because nbcnews.com did report that people are calling for his resignation so people oh, yeah. the, the hairs on the back of their their necks are up people are angry so the, his resignation is being called for whether or not that actually happens like i don't i don't foresee that i would be actually pretty pleasantly surprised if it does happen but at least those voices are out there saying hey let's get this guy out of office and then Teo, i want to give you the last the last opportunity to speak on this article before we move on yeah thank you final word before we uh, wrap it up um it's good that this happened that people start getting upset at this and that they are taking action the blue power ranger my favorite guy he was harassed to such a level that he had to quit because uh, he was gay and he was being bullied by all the other actors and everybody on set mm -hmm. and nobody thought that was wrong 
at, back at the time. Yeah. So yeah, we should live in a society where that doesn't happen any uh, anymore. Yeah, and baby steps just don't seem to be fast. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, thank you guys for your input on that article. Um, we're going to move on to the next one. But first, I wanted to get some announcements out there. So because of everybody's dedicated viewership, this is really exciting. We are over 9,000 subscribers. I'm heading towards 10,000. So if you guys haven't heard on any previous episodes, once we hit 10,000 subscribers, we'll be able to start doing fundraisers. So obviously, if you're already subscribed, you can't subscribe again. What you can do is you can share with your friends, family, coworkers, neighbors, um, share with everybody. Just get it out there. And let's hit that 10,000 subscriber mark. Um, once you've subscribed, yes, and hit that like button and make sure you set your notification bells to on so that you get those notifications um, every time that there's going to be a show. Um, just as a reminder, I know you're watching it now. You might be watching it pre-recorded at a later time. So if you want to catch it premiering live, it's every Sunday at 3 p.m. Central. Um, one more little bit of information. As you're aware, the Atheist Community of Austin has a new YouTube channel. Not so new now, but um, check it out. It's the Atheist Experience Network. And it's where we've put together all of the, and by we, I mean the people that actually do the work, not myself. We put together all of the shows. Um, you can find it at tiny.cc slash A-E-N podcasts. And there you can listen to all the episodes of all of the shows that we put on. So nonprofits, atheist experience, secular sexuality, truth wanted, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You will not miss a single episode. Okay. So what, what, show? what show? What show? What show? Secular sexuality and all the other shows, every, every single one of them. <laughs> All right, Teo, take us on to segment two. Ooh, segment two, quite interesting one. Thank you, BBC, for this interesting article. Please, people, read it on the on the description. <laughs> Neuroscientific research on monkeys is ethically troubling but vital. People, I think that you will have to read this. And I want to introduce this topic with one important concept that I talked about last week. That is the monkey sphere. I hope you like this. Look at it. It's beautiful. So what is the monkey sphere and why am I talking about it? The monkey sphere, if you didn't watch the previous episode, is this idea that we social species tend to get um, people closer to us and we can care for a certain amount of people. In, in the humans, the, um, the number is 150 approx. But what happens when somebody who is from another race, from another religion gets closer to your monkey sphere? You start appreciating people who are from that race, from that religion, etc., etc., etc. The idea of the monkey sphere talk about how we care for people that we consider closer to us. And the farther that people are from our monkey sphere, uh, the less we care about them. And I have to... I have to mention the monkey sphere because I know that my opinion is not going to be uh, popular right now. Because in this article, we are talking about if either it's ethical or not to experiment on monkeys in order to uh, help ourselves, help humans with new cures. Guys, you have to read it on your own because there are a lot of stuff to analyze in here. But my opinion is that, guys, monkeys, I love them. They are our cousins, but they are very far from our monkey sphere. And other humans are closer to our monkey sphere, or at least personally, I feel it like that. So even though I, I have talked about how I hate when people torture animals, I'm against hunting, I'm against fishing, I'm against sports that use animals. And I do consider immoral working with monkeys, but I consider it even more immoral working with humans. And I could argue that it's also not very moral not to try to develop uh, uh, cures for terrible diseases that we have nowadays. So 
yeah, I'm really sorry. I find this immoral. I find it terrible. But I think that is the lesser evil. And for now, it's the only way that we have to research this. The option would be to torture humans. And even though I, I do know a couple of rich guys who would be perfect for that, uh, they are rich. They will never get there. So that is my introduction about this topic. That's why I feel that it's kind of justified, despite being immoral. Nate, I know that you're going to be against me in this one, and I would love yeah, to hear your yeah, disagreement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, like, I'm, I'm right in the middle because I can argue both sides and I don't have a really solid position. So I was going to say, like, Nate, this is perfect because you two are on opposite ends of the spectrum. So I'm going to step wait, back wait, wait, and wait, wait, interject before, when I feel I need to. But Wait, before right. Nate goes, please, guys, I'm not supporting this. I'm also in the middle, just like you, Laura. Oh, it's just okay. that I, I understand. Yeah, no, I'm not saying let's go experiment on monkeys. I think it's the lesser evil, but I don't support it. I mean, I, I hate animal torture. I'm against that. I just feel that it's kind of an almost an obligation, kind of, but of course I cannot support it. I, I think I just understand it. So yeah, that, that's it. Nate, all yours. It's all yours. I was just, it kind of stuck with me. You said you're against hunting and fishing, but then experimenting on animals is the lesser of two evils in the same sentence, that those two yeah. seem to be in conflict to me. So well, be- are you a vegetarian? Oh, no, I am not. Uh, I, I'm against so where that. where do you get um, your meat? Yeah, that's another thing. Uh, this is going to sound like an oxymoron, but I've heard about ethical uh, meat industry. I know it's it's really hard to achieve that, um, but uh, there are laws that regulate that animals who are sacrificed, they should not uh, die in pain and they should live a good life, but that meat is more expensive. So I mean, uh, well, I know I'm walking on thin ice in here, Nate. No, no. You know what? I actually like having conversations with people that I disagree with because it's more interesting than just being like, yep, you're right. Yep, you're right. Oh, yeah. We do not need an echo chamber here. So that's why this one was so exciting for me. So let let me tell you, Mateo, why I got into hunting. Um, About eight years ago, I saw a film on the conditions in factory farms and it it really changed the way that I eat. So um, I made a decision to buy as little meat as I could from a supermarket or from sources where I didn't know where it was coming from. Um, I take one animal a year, I use it up, I give some to my neighbors. That animal has had a good life. That animal is killed humanely, butchered humanely, a lot better than than these animals that are kept in, uh, in, in factory farms. I get most of my chicken, eggs, that sort of thing from, uh, from a little farm that's on my way to work. And so I agree with you when you say that we need to try to minimize suffering. And it's not financially possible for everybody to live a fully vegan lifestyle. It's not okay, even like some people just don't want to, too, right? And, you know, I don't think it's unethical to eat meat. And I'm sure I'll get lambasted in, in the comments. But the other the other side of this is I do think unethical testing on animals is wrong. So let's let's just quickly draw a line that there is such a thing as ethical testing on animals and unethical testing on animals, right? They're, I'm they're sure we suffering. And then, you know, right? Like there, there, there are degrees here. There's nuance to this conversation. I mean, if we're peeling their brains open and poking them with sticks, that that's one thing, right? And if we're talking about this sort of experimentation that a country like China is likely to be doing, that they're going to be far less 
likely to be treating these animals humanely. They don't even treat their citizens humanely. So that so, is where I'm 50-50, and I'm going to interject really quick. Um, sure, that sure. is where my, my ethics, I'm on the fence, because I don't like the idea of um, experimenting on animals, especially when they can't give consent and when there could potentially be suffering, right? As you said, there's, there's shades of gray, so there could be definitely observations and experiments that can be done without any harm to the animal whatsoever. And, and that's another discussion to be had. Um, and I think that there's mm-hmm. an argument for that. But um, what what my first impression was is, you know, even if it slows down our progress, we need to really minimize how much we're we're experimenting on animals, especially primates, as we've already been able to show their level of intelligence. It's much higher than we used to think it was. And we're certainly potentially causing a lot of suffering. But when they talked about um, in the article, it talks about how um, the Europe and the United States have such a high degree of laws protecting the, the suffering or against the suffering of animals that to allow other nations to do the research would undoubtedly increase the suffering that those animals are are suffering because they don't have those same regulations. And that was a tricky one for me. It's like we, we could do it poorly and badly and unethically, but they could do it even more poorly and worse and more unethically. And so that is, I, I guess, where I think Teo might be coming from, where he says, like, I'm, I'm against it, but I kind of see the point of it, or I can see an argument for it. Uh, what, what were your thoughts on that? Because I got stuck there. That's where I was like, I can't pick a solid side one way or another. Uh, that was a pretty easy one for me. I mean, China's China's doing it too is the worst excuse to perform unethical testing on animals that I've ever heard. We, we have our laws in place because mm-hmm. we have a higher moral standard. We have values where we have our bigger in-group as as Teo was saying, right? We we include primates, and then to a lesser degree, other mammals, other animals, and then yeah. to a lesser degree, other living things. Mm-hmm. And that's that's fine to have. Um, and the the focus of this article seemed to be that we're going to lag behind in neurological research, potentially yeah. military, potentially medical. And I'm like, I'm reading this, and I'm like, you know, I don't really care if we're behind on some sort of unethical behavior. Neuro- yeah, like <laughs> there's lots of other ways that humans have found to hurt each other. And like the writer of this article was kind of evoking images of some future state of of like total war with mind control lasers being fired fired at our soldiers. And I think that was a bit sensationalist. I don't. Um, yeah, I, I must have gotten yeah. a different focus because I thought it focused more on the medical aspect of like us being behind medically. And that, was, yeah, that is where it was in there. It was. Yeah, sly, I mean, but... it was in there, but that wasn't I didn't pick up on it the same way that you did. Um, but I will say that like that, that again is kind of where I get stuck because the point that the author made was that we're going to still benefit from it. Like we're going to have the medicines and we're going to have the technologies. We're going to buy it from China and all this other stuff. And that's, it's like, oh, that makes me really uncomfortable. Just like the factory farming, like knowing that my meat comes from an animal that was raised horrible, terrible conditions um, makes me not want to eat that kind of meat. Right. So the, the idea that the, the research for this product that could be saving human lives caught was, was accomplished on the backs of the suffering of these animals. It also feels a little bit like I'm benefiting from yeah. China and, and these other nations allowing these animals to suffer. So it's, it's Nate, a tricky one. Ooh, Nate, what would you think if we could keep doing kind of do, those experiments, but minimizing at minimum the harm done to animals? Would that be a little bit better? Or do you think that it's still not acceptable? Or I don't know if not acceptable is what you think. Absolutely. Less, less suffering. Less suffering and slower progress is better than faster progress 
And, you know, like I've never been faced with a life threatening illness, but like if I had, you know, something like Alzheimer's and I was offered a cure that would give me a couple more lives and I knew it came from unethical torture of animals, I don't think I'd make that trade. I've never been in that position, but I don't think I would make that trade. I question how many people really know, though, like when they're saying when they hey, here's a pill or here's a treatment. True. That is an excellent point. (laughs) I mean, few people source the the, you know, the tech technology that went into the development of their medical treatments um few people source their meat right <laughs> so oh, absolutely yeah <laughs> look at insulin did, did you know about the blue the blue blood from horse crabs ho- horseshoe crabs no you no, no, like, no 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 yeah you gotta yeah. fill us in tell me yeah you had to kill like 20 uh, of those uh, crabs that come from the devonic by the way they are the one of the ancient creatures that we had that we have now and they had to take a lot of their blood so they had to kill them and you know let the the blood drop and all of that uh to make i think one vial of insulin it was terrible nowadays luckily uh, research has been done and now insulin is made artificially but in That's the past, what, yeah i, I thought it was synthetic yeah yeah now nowadays it is but in the beginnings those people would have died without the horseshoe crabs dying instead so is it ethical is it it's it's really hard for me so i i see i've seen oh. the progress i've had, uh, it's it's hard sorry it's really hard because you, again again i don't want animals to suffer but i want people to live i mean crabs monkeys Obviously, there's a difference there. One has more potential for suffering, I think, especially when it comes to medical experimentation. I could at be least wrong. in terms of what we know now. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah, yeah. I would, I would say that we we certainly don't know everything about the the experience of the various types of animals. But yeah, as far as we can tell, and as far as we've determined, primates are much higher on the the spectrum of being able to experience and process. Um, and we could we could be proven wrong a decade or two decades or hundred years from now, and and we could have to eat our words, right? Um, one thing, one thing that I, I think that the, the article got right, and I think Teo is kind of along these same lines, was that, hey, in the beginning, sometimes the, the research is done by questionable means or, or there's only so much we can do. But then eventually it gets to the point where we can um, use things like nanotechnology and scans and stuff like that to get this information where we don't have to probe a monkey or a human or anybody. So I guess my biggest question is, does that interim step have to exist? Like, do we have to probe monkey brains first? And like but the probing of those monkey brains results in this better technology that allows us to scan our brains without probing? Or can we develop the technology to scan brains and just skip the probing altogether? Like, is that something that can be accomplished with with human ingenuity? And I kind of suspect it could be. Oh, I think the I, I'm not sure, but I think that they mentioned that in the article that it was not possible because there is a lot of there, there is a lot that we still don't know about the brain. You can kind of develop neurons and study them, but certain parts of the brain that's not possible. Not yeah, yet, because we don't yes. have the technology yet. Right. Yet. So, exactly. so do we have to put it off a decade or two, but then eventually do it without any harm to? any other animal whatsoever that would be amazing that's that's <sighs> what i was saying is i will take slower progress i will take you know china having a lead on mind control laser super weapons or whatever it was this this <laughs> uh, this author was trying to get it i think we got a really different impression from this thing because he's just i don't know there, there was a bit of fear-mongering in there that there kinda... was definitely fear-mongering and the whole idea is that one nation being ahead of another nation it's almost like we are constantly at races with each other to be like the top nation in this and the top nation in that and i think there's this this idea 
that America has to be at the leading edge of absolutely freaking everything. And if that's true, we should probably start with our education system and maybe, maybe yeah. just maybe our economy and then, and then go from there. Yeah, sure. I just ignored that. <laughs> Sorry. Guys, it's <laughs> terrible that we as humans have to study the world around us in order to understand it. Too bad there is not a God who knows everything and can tell us the stuff like that, right? Too bad that we have to do the research on our own. So sad. If only there was some useful stuff in that book. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, um, let's let's move on from, from that conversation and get closing thoughts in because we've got two more articles, two gentlemen. So what are your closing sure. thoughts on the ethics of um, primate testing for neuros? I think Kale, I, you I'm want to go first? Um, no, I, I don't have much to say. Uh, I think that if you kill if you hunt only one animal a year about the hunting i think i wouldn't be as oppressed or sort of as against as hunting as i am because i usually see people who say i'm bored i'm going to go and kill some birds on the countryside and they kill animals for fun and i despise that okay hunting for sport is fucking sadistic and evil yeah. I love that both of us totally agree on that. Yeah. And I see the same for fishing. About Sorry about fishing. People fish for fun, not not because they oh, want to eat fish. Catch and release is to. probably one of the most evil, like, well, not most evil. I'm not going to put it that high up on the scale, but that's pretty damn bad. In here, it's catch mean. and release doesn't exist. It's it's, they just catch mean. the fish and yeah. let it die, and that's it. And they do it for fun. And, and I really well, disagree with those. They don't kill the fish, but they injure the fish. It's yeah. mean. And it causes pain. Too. Absolutely. A lot. Absolutely. Okay. This, um, this article, sorry, if I, do no, I get it? Do I get a quick second? Okay. Because this whole article reminded me of the trolley problem. If you guys, I don't know if you guys know, yes. heard of the trolley problem where, you know, there's a train headed down a track towards five people and you're at the switch. And if you flip the switch, the train goes down a different track and kills one person. And it's kind of a um, an ethical dilemma. Well, do you flip the switch? So it's like, well, if a train was headed at a thousand people with Parkinson and you could flip that switch to a hundred monkeys. Yeah. yeah. Would you would you do that? I mean, I don't I don't know that I would. I, yeah, I, I love how one. you the analogy that you use there. Um, I think that's an appropriate analogy. Yeah, it's it's very difficult because we want to minimize suffering overall. And obviously, like all of us are at least a little little bit speciesist and so we're like well you know let's let's definitely see the human suffering to the highest extent that we can but when we do so at the extent or at the expense of of another creature what is what are the ramifications of that and i like i like what you had to contribute to that conversation i really appreciate it but thank you we for are, having me we yeah. are yes <laughs> and we are going to move on now so let's take a really quick break in this conversation um so if you guys did not turn into the other aca shows last week you should have um let's roll and see what you've missed not not that i want to like endorse misgendering but if it's a cis person and they're calling you like the absolute wrong pronoun you're like oh yes thank you ma'am to like a big burly cis man for a long time i've known about a, a thing that they call soaking right which right. is where he puts it in and then they don't do anything yes because because the lord's vision like t-rex is based on movement wait as the new as the guest host here am i obligated to say vagina at any point if Close i am expected show. to say it i could come up with some kind of weird excuse to try to work it into the conversation you can just listen close your eyes you listen won't to have the... to look at our faces no no you don't you don't have to this isn't this is in podcast form you can look at something else look at the trees that is my legacy that is that yeah. is what i've left for the world <laughs> <laughs> that is my legacy. You're welcome, internet. You're welcome. Also, vagina. So there you have it. 
<laughs> I always I always love the shorts. <laughs> oh man, I love those. The Lord's vision is based on movement. <laughs> uh, okay, so on that uh, note, Nate, you have a lot to say about segment three. So why don't you walk us through the articles for segment three? Uh, yes. Well, sadly, the time for smiling and laughing is over. So um, here um, we're going to talk about an update to a topic, a topic I talked about in my first uh, nonprofit's appearance back a couple of months ago. And I will try not to bang my table this time, audience. I apologize for that. But these are there's a few articles here um, from the CBC, uh, the Canadian Broadcasting Corporations. And what we're talking about is some newly obtained documents detailing the Catholic Church's successful attempt to weasel its way out of paying First Nation survivors of residential schools the money that they promised they would pay back in 2005. So there, there's a lot to unpack. I'm just going to, I'll throw a couple of quick facts out there and then, and then we can discuss. So quick facts, the Anglican, Presbyterian, and United Churches all paid the amounts that they said they'd pay. The Catholic Church formed a corporation to administer their legal battle against paying this money. They dissolved the corporation shortly after their crack team of lawyers had them legally absolved of this commitment. Um, the Catholic Church spent more money fighting the survivors than they actually paid out. They spent $6 million in legal fees, $5 million they actually paid out. And they took expenses, not not in that entire amount, but they took expenses out of the money that they allotted for these survivors. These are these. yeah, yeah. This so the, <laughs> the articles posted like this. This whole thing floored me, and I had a really hard time. I know Nate, even when we were making notes, had to step away from the note taking for a little bit and come back to it because this is some heavy stuff. We're talking about the death of thousand children, and no amount of money is gonna is gonna actually amount to sort of actual reparation for that. But it's at least something that holds these people responsible like i think mm -hmm. jail time like like not allowing organizations to have this kind of control over people i think there's a lot more that can and should be done to stop this kind of behavior um but and i know this is stuff that happened in the past but i don't even think that matters like um i, I think not that, that more... far in the past my right. dad was in a residential school yeah, yeah i'm 41 i'm not that old right Right. What I'm saying is like maybe the exact person who's directly responsible for some of these deaths isn't alive anymore. Like I get true, that. I, true. I understand. I get it. Like we yeah. might not be able to put every single one of these bastards in jail, but I do think that more should be done than just, oh, we're going to ding you financially. However, even that, even that small punishment, like the, the Catholic Church is, is dodging out of it. And, um, and Teo, I promise I'm gonna let you have room to talk about this. I just have to get this off my chest. What really bothered me the most when I was reading um, one of the articles was they promised a renewed fundraising campaign with a goal yeah. of $30 million. Like, do, do you know what that means? <laughs> like the, They're not the paying. The actual yeah. effing church is not paying the reparation. It's congregants are. And they're people who more than likely were never even even the smallest way involved in any of this bullshit. And yet the money is going to come out of their pockets. I mean, it comes out one way or another in the, the form of tithing. But the tithing the church gets to keep and the fundraising goes to paying bull. That's, that's all I have to say. Yeah. Teo, take it away. Yeah. This, this, this is awful in so many ways. Uh, I was telling Nate before we started how when I made the episode about what happened in Canada, this episode broke me. I mean, 
It started with 250 children. When I made the episode, there were over 5,000 children. The church was hiding the numbers. The church removed the crosses where that they were marking the place where children were buried. And something broke inside me. I mean, it's I, I couldn't believe so much evil from the church, all the stuff that they did. And I really didn't expect people to defend the church. But there was one awful, terrible person who was right there in the comments trying to defend the behavior of the church. And that person makes me sick. And it makes me sick how people know what the church has been doing, know how much money they spent uh, defending uh, defending uh, rapists. Uh, actually, let me read some numbers for, uh, for you. Between the, the 80s and 2000, the church spent over $750 million and in 2007 only they spent over 615 millions on sex abuse cases and people keep giving money to the church i i have no words for this this is this is what i feel is one of the biggest harms of religion and it hurts for me it physically hurts to see people giving money to an institution that is protecting uh, rapists. They rape children, kill them, torture them, and people see them as a force of good. It's, uh, I just have no words for it. And this, this really affects me greatly because I want to have faith in humanity, but these type of things, I, it's, it's just too much for me. Nate, I know you want to talk and you have a lot of things to say about this. It's, oh, oh, I, I could go on for days. Um, I mean, this, it's, absolutely disgusting how they pretend to be appalled in public and then turn around and fight these survivors in court right like the a couple of quotes the catholic bishops of canada express their profound remorse and apologize unequivocally yeah but you left the part out where you pay up right like they they a, another one we acknowledge the grave abuses that were committed by some members of our catholic community physical psychological emotional spiritual cultural and sectional sexual and then behind closed doors spend millions to try to weasel out of actually paying these victims back it is absolutely friggin disgusting um and but this is what they do they 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 act appalled and then they turn around and they fight their survivors in court um they're doing it right now with the hundreds of thousands of children that they raped in france i'm sure you guys heard about the study of 200,000 plus children or 330,000 children victims of sex abuse by clergy in the past 70 years this is just last week right the head of the bishops con conference in france Eric Dumoulin Bouffour states publicly that this is this is just a, like very recent. The secrecy of confession is a requirement and remains a requirement. Pay attention. In a way, it is above the laws of the Republic. The secrecy of confession is above the laws of the Republic. On the heels of a report saying more than a quarter of a million children were sexually abused and then expresses shame and horror, but likely not at the fact that you know, th these children were victimized, but that they just got busted for covering it up. I was going to say that. I was going to say, are you ashamed behavior or ashamed that your your behavior has been aired public and that now now everyone knows what's going on behind closed doors? This absolutely floors me. So I have typically been one of those people that's like, hey, a person's personal beliefs is a personal beliefs. Let them have it. No big deal. I don't care what freaking God you believe in. I don't care if you believe in magic and crystals and all that stuff. And I don't. I don't care. Right. 
Um, when it comes to, to the church as an organization, as a group, that's when I get really floored when it becomes really important to me to be more of an act, right? Because now you're talking about big mega churches that are swindling people out of their money so they can go buy private jets and have these $6 million properties. You're talking about people that are committing um, sexual atrocities against children that aren't being charged. You're talking about people who can commit all sorts of laws or break all sorts of laws and not be held responsible for it because they have the protection of the church organization to which they belong. So that to me is is the epitome of why I, I understand the idea of protecting someone's religious preferences or religious beliefs, but I don't agree with the protection of religious organizations above and beyond the law. I think that they should be held to the exact same standards, if not higher, if if they're saying that that you know, like they're, they're godly and holy and good and great. Okay. Well then why don't you put your actions where your words are and be held to the same standard or higher than everybody else is. Like I just, I get worked up. They, they, they think it's still the 15th century, right? Like the, the, this guy that, that has stated that he thinks the confession is above the law. The French interior minister literally summoned this bishop to a meeting where he told the bishop that professional secrecy is criminal and that priests must report abuse allegations they heard in confession. Like, he, how bad is it that you need to pull the head of the Catholic bishops and see, oh, and, and say, oh, hey, by the way, if one of your the members of your clergy tells you they committed possibly the greatest evil that a person could do, you know, you should probably tell somebody. And then he comes out of that meeting and says, well, I think there needs to be some more work about how we handle confession. Like, what? <laughs> What? Yeah. Okay, How is this so, confusing? How is this conflicting for you? This is a no-brainer, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. How is there an ethical Sounds dilemma sense. in your head at all? Yeah, no, yeah. this this okay, so this is why I probably could never be, well, aside from the fact that I'm a woman, why I could never be a Catholic priest or anyone that takes any sort of form of confession. Put yourselves in that person's shoes, the one collecting the confession, the one hearing it. Never could I ethically live with myself hearing I just raped a child and me going, okay, well, say, you know, whatever you need to say and do whatever you need to do and God forgives you and move on and not do a single thing about it. I, as a human being, could not be in that position. So my question is, what are the morals of a person that can sit there with the understanding that people are being hurt by other people and that I'm not going to do a damn thing about it because confession is holy and I'm not supposed to say anything to anybody? I would at the very least, oh, like intervene with that specific individual. Mm. I wouldn't let them out of my confessional, right? <laughs> like, oh, you're you're with me now until I know that these children are safe. I'm not letting you out of my sight. Like at the very freaking least. So yeah, I just this, no, go ahead. No, no, no. I was just gonna keep going. You, you go ahead. <laughs> this is the problem <laughs> with thinking that apologizing to your invisible friend makes you square with the victim, right? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. yeah. This is this is when... the entire problem of of the substantiation of blame of the scapegoating of the entire whole Jesus thing, right? Like he doesn't get to die for my sins. That doesn't make like you know that doesn't make me square with the person that I've sinned against. Because I can be like, oh, hey, Jesus, do you forgive me? Yeah, yeah, you're good. You're square. That doesn't make you square. 
there with the person that you've wronged. And that's... Yeah, or with mortal law. Like, great, you earned your way back into heaven. Super duper for you, right? Yeah. Enjoy your time in heaven, right? But <laughs> you're still a living human being in our society, and you still need to be held responsible for your actions, period. No questions. Yeah, no. Amen. Amen. Uh, guys, checking uh, information for this episode, I found bishopaccountability.org, a page that mentioned the crimes that these guys have been committing and oh it's painful it's painful and once again it hurts that people defend those guys i it's it's just beyond my comprehension i have to say it's beyond my comprehension how people can keep giving money to uh, an institution that not only protects all these uh, pedophiles rapists and monsters um they also are all about money, as Nate said, they spend more money uh, trying not to give money to the victims rather than they could if they could have just paid them. Uh, but these are the same guys who, well, the Pope sits on a golden throne while talking about poverty. Uh, they during the pandemic, uh, they the COVID pandemic, they were asking people to give more money because the church needed more money. Uh, I I think we have talked about how certain uh, how countries give money to churches based on the amount of followers that they have reason why we should leave the Catholic Church. Um, they, I remember that in Spain, they, they were opposing the separation between church and religion because the, the church has some uh, legal uh, power, so they were stealing land from people. So, yeah, we do know so many evil things about the church and people keep supporting them. It's it's beyond my comprehension. That's that's my biggest problem. Yeah, yeah. So I, I do want to touch on one more thing because we are coming up on the time to move on to our next article. Certainly we can stay here a little bit longer if you guys have more to say. But um, we've talked a lot about the church itself and um, a lot of the atrocities that it's done. And certainly that is the biggest point here with these articles. But one thing that I kind of wanted to bring up was that the article that is referenced um, from CBC, um, it, it discusses actually the court and how it was handling the um, information that was going back and forth in court and the churches and all the investigations mm. and stuff. So the, the big thing was the public wasn't able to get a hold of the documents for a long time. And so now the court has released a lot of the documents to the public. And I wanted to read a quote here um, from um, Sean Sinclair, who is one of the lawyers who argued on behalf of the media organization who were requesting the information. He says, quote, I think the, re the result is a really important outcome for the openness and transparency for our court system. It goes to that old maxim that justice not only must be done, it must be seen to be done. So I wanted to kind of talk just a little bit on the transparency of these cases, right? Because part of the problem has also been getting the information um, out there to the public about what exactly is going on in the first place. Well, yeah, these guys have to fight to get the information out. And the church has these safeguards built into their corporations so that they don't have to they don't have to offer comment. That was another thing that I noticed in this is that when these um, these survivors are trying to track down the facts about what happened behind closed doors, they could just say, well, that was a corporation that no longer exists. And, and we don't so, have access to that information. Whatever. Yeah, because, yeah. you know, corporations oh, are people in this bizarre system that we have. That person no longer exists. He's gone. So the rest of us are just off the hook. Bye. Got to go. Slam. Thoughts and prayers. Didn't yeah. some churches uh, feel for bankruptcy so they didn't have to pay as well? 
yeah stuff like oh, that yeah. yeah and guys this thing of protecting the protect protecting those monsters has happened forever uh, ter ma ma uh mother teresa of calcutta la madre de esa calcutta she was sending letters about a pedophile priest because she didn't want uh, the church to be stained you know by what had happened and the pope was blaming the victims of uh, because of what uh, because they were raped the freaking pope was blaming the victims can you believe that it's it's evil it's evil to the core the catholic church for me i may be wrong but for me it's evil to the core and i feel disappointed for people who try to protect it or defend it or justify it Nate, no no it's i i don't think it's no, I'm not going to say that on the air. So then I'll just I'll just say one more thing and, and I'll give you an opportunity to say whatever else you want to say too. But let's pretend it's not a Catholic church. Let's pretend it's a bowling league or a business, right? Um, if if anyone were to catch wind that this kind of stuff were going on, any other form of public space or organization or business, um, that group, that body would be held accountable. And they'd probably be held accountable to the furthest extent of the law, especially as it pertains to children. So if I, again, going back to the whole human being thing, putting myself in the shoes of any other person, if I were in any organization, period, whether I believed in God or not, um, whether they supported my views or not, and I found out that that organization in any way was hurting people the way that the Catholic Church was hurting people, I would run from that organization as fast as I could, regardless of whatever else that they believed in that, that I shared a belief in, or, or no matter how much fun I had on their bowling league or whatever the case may be, I would be gone. So I have a real struggle with the idea that people can be finding out that these things are going on and in fact have been going on for as long as the church has existed and is more than likely still going on. And yet people continue to be a part of that organization for other reasons. Well, they represent God or whatever the case may be. I can't wrap my mind around that. What are your guys' thoughts on that? Once I had a guy admitting that the Catholic Church was worse, was worse than Nazis, worse than Hitler. He said it, his own words. Yeah, I support something that is worse than Hitler. And when I ask, why don't you leave that place? Why don't you create your own church? But he said something about wanting to change the church from inside, which... I, yeah, it's, it was terrible. It was sad. And this guy is an amazing person. That is the worst part. He is an amazing person, but he still supports the church despite the crimes of the church. And I, I, I cannot <laughs> comprehend that. It's, it's awful. Yeah. I, I don't have words for it. It's, this is one of those topics that leave me without words. And you know, I like to talk a lot. So it's that weird, complicated, strange awful yeah i will just describe it as awful yeah i mean it, it's a tough call whether the nazis or the catholic church won the eve olympics in 1945 <laughs> but i'm gonna go ahead and say that in 2021 they're definitely the gunning church. for the lead yeah, yeah. they have been on the business way longer than the nazis so yeah historically they are the absolute winners yeah and definitely. and on that note um we do have one more article to get to and we do have a little bit of time left so i I would love for us to end on a little bit of a higher note. I know we could all rant and rave and get really angry forever on this topic, but um, our last article, I think, is a bit amusing, and so I think it's a good note to end on. So, yeah, Teo, yeah change. go ahead and take it away. Yeah, tell us about our last segment. Thank you. Yes, we need a change of this, and this yes, one is do. hilarious for many, many reasons. Uh, so, guys, uh, once again, go and check the article. Thank you, BBC, for this interesting article uh, where an US uh, US man, yeah, it's not Florida man, this time, Sue Psyche. Florida man. <laughs> yep. Yeah, Florida man. Was. 
It's always Florida, man. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> So this guy sues Psychic, who promised to remove his ex-girlfriend's curse. And there is an American saying that I really like, and I loved it when I learned, which is, a fool and his money are soon deported. And this applies perfectly, because this guy went on his own accord following some... Um, either he Googled this or he found publicity and followed it. But he went with a psychic love specialist and P PhD life coach. <sighs> yeah, he followed this person. And obviously she realized he, she had a socket in front of her. So she told him immediately after reading the, tar the tarot for him that there was a course by his ex-girlfriend who hired a witch to course him. <laughs> and yeah, you can imagine the result. After paying $1,000, this guy, uh, Restri the, the name is Restripo. Restripo. Mr. Restripo says that Mrs. Adams, the tarotist who read for him, did not help in any way. And he said that his marriage has been suffering, uh, he and his marriage have been suffering from sleepless nights, anxiety, and anguish. Because, yeah, he, he didn't see the magic working from this um, magical person. So, he guys, what is your opinion on magic that? Meter. Yeah. I want to yeah, know how he vetted his psychic. Like, <sighs> how do you know that the psychic you're hiring is more powerful than the witch that your ex-girlfriend hired? Like, Well, because she has a PhD, right? So that's way more legit. Oh, no, but the I PhD is in life coaching, not in terrorism, so... <laughs> Or whatever the well, name is. I mean, a PhD is great, but if your psychic has a crystal ball of larceny that awards 10%, 10 points to conjuration, maybe I could see it. True, but true. until that comes out, like what what methods does do these like this is mind-boggling. I know it's the like, battle of the psychic and the witch, and you're right. Yeah, how do you right? know that psychic like, is more powerful than that witch? Right. Yeah, yeah. So exactly. what really got me about that is that he didn't say, oh, you swindled me, you're not a psychic, psychics don't really exist or whatever. He said, you didn't actually break the curse, which leads mm -hmm. me to believe he may potentially still believe that there's a curse. He, he totally, totally didn't learn his lesson. He, Yo, yeah. No, no. That's, that's why he can't sleep. He's sure that there is a curse on him and he hasn't And seen his marriage it. is now falling apart because of this curse that she didn't break. So... Yeah, that's uh, totally seen... the curse's fault. Your marriage is falling apart. <laughs> also, I've seen witches fighting each other, and sometimes uh, witches quotation mark those people go and hit the other person to stop them from making the curses, and and people pay for that. They pay like yeah, go and beat that other witch so her curse is wait, broken. And... Wait, you've seen a witch fight? <laughs> Did um, they turn anyone into a newt? That's all I want to know. Oh, I wish they had, but no. The, the, the guy so, got better. Did they get likely. better? <laughs> I, knew, I knew you were going there. <laughs> you knew, you uh, know I was going to make... Hey, a non-profits episode without a Monty Python reference is a non-profits episode I don't want to be a part of. It's because it's an episode without Nate, though. Yeah, I mean, canceled. obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, uh, you know what? Um, I, I'm going to take this back to religion as I usually do. Am I obsessed with religion? I hope not. But this is part of letting magical thinking come into you. As soon as you let magical thinking come into your mind, you're going to start believing all type of crazy things. And when, what is more interesting for me about mediums is that the Bible uh, tells you not to go with mediums. So the only place that is giving you this idea that there are mediums is the Bible. And I actually love how, how the Bible contradicts itself because, for example, Saul went to a medium to talk with Samuel, who was dead, and mm -hmm. Jesus talked to Moises and Eliah in certain mountain who were also dead. 
But at the same time, the Bible says that once you die, there is no consciousness, so you cannot talk to death. And despite that, God goes and forbids people from talking to the to the death. So yeah, I love how much the church contradicts the church. No, 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 the Bible. The Bible contradicts itself. And how is how crazy is that this these stories that make people believe in um, believe in those uh, mediums they specifically are telling you don't do it your god is forbidding it don't follow mediums and they do this this type of stupid stuff what what is wrong with people uh bible illiteracy yeah most likely and, yeah. yeah and to but... your point as well there is a wizard's battle in the bible yes there is yes which and one i remember this oh this yeah, popped up in is. my head because it was part of my deconstruction as a child when i was actually reading the bible when i was a kid and i'm like wait a second i thought you said magic wasn't real mom and she said well magic isn't real and i'm like but it is well, the but, bible but this turned yeah. into a snake and then because the other because Aaron's magic was better than Pharaoh's magic. His snake ate the other snake. And so like, you know, there's obviously degrees of magical power, but so which is it? Like, is there only one God? Is there multiple gods? Are there multiple sources of magic? I don't know. Yeah, it's. I had the same doubt when I read that part. I think that I was told back in the day that the other ones were, uh, you know, doing tricks only. Mm. But no, Moses was the real one. He had real magic and the other ones were imitating or something like that. But that's only if so, you're reading the Bible cross-eyed and not actually reading the words. Because they do talk about an actual snake eating an actual snake. and Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, no. and that's that's... Oh, that's that's like a whole nother discussion for a whole nother time. But let's get back. Yeah, I'm going to bring us back around to the article a little bit because we are. T- and then Teo makes a good point. OK, so magical thinking is prevalent throughout um, multiple religions. In fact, I don't really know of a religion that doesn't have some sort of magical thinking. So you do bring up a good point there that people are very susceptible to the belief in magical thinking in general. And one thing, like when I when I was making my notes, the things that I thought of was one, we're still very ignorant and gullible, many of us. And two, we're also very litigious in this society. Or li- I don't even know how to say that word right. Litigious. You got litigious. Yeah, yeah litigious. You got yeah. In this society. So we have both the mixing of magical thinking, which results in the people spending copious amounts of money in hopes of these various magical cures or magical breaking curses. And then when things don't work out the way that they want them to, they jump straight to the court system with, I demand my money back. Oh, yeah. This is this is the type of things that happen. And that this is the type of answer that we should give when people ask, hey, what is the harm that people believe in stuff? People, this is the harm. You end up believing awful, terrible things. Didn't we talk about the link between anti-vaxxers and extremely religious people here some episodes ago? That's all part of magical thinking. And these are the same people who are starting to believe conspiracies. Uh, and I'm not talking about the possible conspiracies. I'm talking about stuff like, no, COVID is just an invention because they want to reduce population because apparently that makes people with money more powerful. That's what that's what you say when you don't understand about economy. Oh, man. Oh, yeah, th- yeah. And that's the problem. Magical thinking opens the gates to all those silly stuff that people can believe and they are going to be scammed. Uh, they are going to be deceived in so many ways. And worst of all, people without, sorry, people without logical thinking, strange stuff is going to happen to them and they immediately are going to go with the word of the supernatural instead of trying to understand what actually happened. Now, so you bring up a really good point because a lot of times people want to say like, well, what's the harm in terms of like, what is the, the huge universal harm or like the earth shattering harm in this belief? But let's talk about the harm to just a specific individual, right? So 
So in this specific case, you have a guy whose marriage is falling apart. And now, okay, so if he doesn't believe his magical thinking, his marriage could technically still be falling apart. But what is being done in reparation like of that marriage? What is being done to heal the marriage? Nothing, because they're they're going for all these magical, mystical solutions versus, I don't know, couples therapy. Um, yeah. And when, you, when you're afraid that your marriage is falling apart because of a curse, you're automatically going to approach it differently. Like what can be done to solve, solve it? And every single bad thing that happens is a reinforcement that, well, yep, yep look, it, we're definitely cursed because that happened again. Right. So it, it, it stymies any sort of progress in fixing the problem and probably even makes the problem worse. And you can think of other examples too, like the, the, the woman who's, who's, sex life is is hindered and squelched because she believes or or her husband believes that like sex is only for the reproduction of children and da, da 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 and and her sexuality is now put in a bag and in a closet and locked away from the world right because they're convinced that this magical being out there doesn't like female sexuality or whatever so it, i mean it might not have huge monumental universal repercussions but it has repercussions for that individual and for the individuals that they convince of this same truth well yeah i could believe in form actions absolutely that's that's the whole point beliefs inform I'm, actions and doesn't matter whether it's whether you go to a psychic instead of a couples therapy or whether you vote like a vote for a slug like mark robinson right this is this leads to bad stuff happening i'm going to argue against you guys i, I mean not against you but uh, i think that you that laura is actually i think that it does have earth-shattering possibilities. Have you uh, have you heard about those guys who are so into their religion that they are going to reject all science because it contradicts their religion and they don't want to do anything to change uh, global warming or climate change because right. God is powerful. Because God creates the, and the rapture is coming. Yeah. And they keep destroying the world. They don't care about our effing planet. We live in this place, people. This is our only home. And you want to destroy it because of a stupid fantasy about an eternal life adoring a magical genocide. It's, yeah, instead it's of taking terrible. care of what's right here in front of you right now, you're going to be seeing to some eternal yeah, exactly. other place that, that you're going to go to when you die. You bring up a good point. So I would only I would only clarify that I don't mean that there aren't huge repercussions to some beliefs. I would say that oh, yeah. a, belief, a belief doesn't have to have those kind of repercussions to still be dramatic in somebody's life and to still have a negative impact on somebody's life. So gotcha. some beliefs... They, they appear to be really tame and they appear to not harm anybody. But what are they doing to that specific individual, right? And, and what are they doing to how the individual parents or how the individual approaches other people or how they approach conflict or or the world around them, right? So it, it does have at least some repercussions, even if it seems silly Absolutely. on the outside. Like like going to a psychic to break a curse, right? It sounds kind of silly and like there's no potential repercussions, but clearly there are because the guy's life is falling apart. Well, yeah, it, it affects how you vet ideas. Yeah. Oh, look at just look at uh, superstitions, how those things can destroy your life because you don't want to go outside certain day, you don't want to work for a certain place, and it's all based on magical thinking. And yeah, following the idea of the monumental repercussions, then you have certain presidents who are chosen because religious uh, leaders are telling their people, vote for this guy, he's the new, not Antichrist, he's the new, the second coming of Jesus or stuff like that, or is demonic not voting for this guy as your president? So yeah, I, I, I understand, Laura, you're, you're totally right, yeah. There are small uh, ways of getting harmed by magical thinking, and at the same time, 
yeah, I want to add that there are also huge ways. Oh, absolutely. How we when, when you talk about a specific ideology, having beliefs attached to it, right? And then so you feel like you have to support those beliefs. And now you're talking about voting for the person who's more likely to support those beliefs or the, the, the lesser of two evils, which has come up a lot in our last few elections. Like, well, we don't like any of the politicians, but we have to vote for the lesser of two evils. No, you don't. <laughs> like, no, you don't. There's but right there. Yeah. Or many more options. But the idea is that I have all these beliefs that are very core to me. And because I have those beliefs, I need to now go vote for this person that is the most likely to support those beliefs, even if I know him to be reprehensible, him or her, even if I know that person to not be the best for that office, you know? So yeah, absolutely. There are some really big repercussions to, to magical thing in general. Um, what do you guys think about the rest of the article? Like where he's now seeing, okay, so he spent, it says he spent a thousand dollars initially, but he spent a lot more money overall. He says overall, he spent $5,100, $5,100 to exercise the spell, right? So overall he paid, so the thousand was up front and he paid a lot more overall. There's that. There's how do you spend that much money and justify it? But then he's also seeking $25,000 in damage. So we're talking big. We're talking, I mean, you think about the dollar, like, I'm sorry, the dollar, the corner psychic that you pay, like, you know, 25 bucks, get get your palm red or whatever. And okay, maybe it's a little bit harmless. It's like a couple of Starbucks coffees or whatever. We're talking big money. Thousands, thousands. Yep. I guess, uh, well, I read the, the money that he's asking for, and that is because of the emotional damage that he suffered. Uh, yeah, I mean, poor guy. I, I think that the first time she asked like for six thousand, uh, six thousand dollars, and then he made an initial deposit of one thousand, and nothing changed, and that's why he he has been suffering all this time, and he is suing. Uh, yeah, I I guess it's better that he tries to sue than you know just say okay, she she just deceived me and leaving. I don't know, Nate. I mean, behind closed doors. I, I can't help but laugh at this guy. In public on the nonprofits, I feel like I should say that the the guy's kind of a victim of his own shitty okay, belief system. Okay. So I do feel bad for for him. Um, I, I definitely don't think he should win this case. Um, but you know, I do feel bad for people that are victims of this poor epistemology. Like he's arrived at this whole system of thinking he knows that psychic forces are real and isn't demanding any sort of evidence for, you know, results before he goes Wait. and gives the psychic another thousand dollars or another thousand dollars. He's just like, this is what we, th- this is the whole problem. This is kind of why I like doing shows like this. This is why I engage with anti-vaxxers at work because these people are victims of shitty ideas and folks like us, folks like the folks in our audience, we can make a difference. We, You, you can engage these people and it is frustrating, but we can win. Yeah, I just wanted to say, uh, maybe he should w- actually win so we can prove that hey those people do nothing don't give your money to them and yeah let's let's give this poor guy some slack even though i also laugh at him sorry (laughs) i don't know about him winning because it gives credence to the whole like oh she she was unable to break the curse but it doesn't say that that psychics are wrong or bad or fake it just shows that she wasn't that she was fake okay good point she forgot her crystal ball of larceny laura yeah, because he says she didn't, she wasn't successful in breaking the curse, which in, insinuates that there was still a curse, right? Oh. So I don't know. There, there's all sorts of problems with this, but I do agree with you. There, there is some 
lessons that can be learned if he does win. Like, hey, this is BS and maybe second guess it a little bit. But that, ladies and gentlemen, brings us to the end of our show. So I really want to thank Nate and Teo for joining me. You guys are friends on the outside. I love working with you on the inside. Um, I'm super stoked that it was the three of us tonight. Um, so thank you two for joining me. Um, I do um, have one final announcement. Social media outlets. So we do have some changes to how to access our social media. So pay attention to this little bit coming up here because even if you've seen this show dozens and dozens of times, this is new. Okay. So you can find our nonprofits hosts um, at the Atheist Community of Discord. This one hasn't changed. So if you want to find us on Discord, go to tiny.cc slash ACD Discord. Facebook, however, um, we do have a new tiny.cc for Facebook. So if you would like to check us out on Facebook, please go to tiny.cc forward slash FBNP for Facebook nonprofit. Um, and there we have it on the, the screen for a minute. Um, that's FBNP for Facebook nonprofits. Um, we could, you can also support the show by becoming a Patreon. And we have a new page for our Patreon as well. That is tiny.cc forward slash Patreon NP. And that's at the bottom of the screen here. Tiny.cc forward slash Patreon NP. Um, if you guys happen to find yourself shopping on Amazon, an easy, easy way to support the atheist community of Austin is by going to smile.amazon.com and selecting the atheist community of Austin. What that does is it gives us a little bit off the top. Um, it, it gives us a little bit of money for your purchase and it doesn't charge you any interest. So we really appreciate that kind of support. Um, lastly, we really value your feedback. So if you don't, if you're not in chat or even if you are, if you're not on Facebook or even if you are, another way that you can get a hold of us is by emailing us directly at nonprofits at atheist-community.org. So that, that way you can send us an email and um, and communicate with us that way. Um, thank you guys all for joining us, whether you're joining us for the live broadcast or whether you're or pre-recorded but live um, or whether you're joining us far later down the road. Thank you guys for watching and we will catch you all next time. Watch The Atheist Experience live Sundays at 4.30 p.m. Central. Visit tiny.cc slash YTAXP and call into the show at 512-991-9242 or connect to the show online at tiny.cc slash callAXP.